Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Um, yeah, I'm in line at Wendy's off of Lakeshore, and some dude just shot his son like five times at their box. From our understanding, uh, she was upset with her order, uh, that it was taking too long, and she had some choice words for the staff. And I know that you know people's patience is wearing thin, but pulling out a firearm and firing into a restaurant is, is never the answer. You know, if somebody uh, squeezes off some shots into Wendy's, I don't think you need to tip your cap to their stress level. I don't think you need to say, we understand people's patience is wearing thin these days, but no, just go ahead and condemn shooting into a Wendy's without caveat. I think you're on firm moral ground there, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the co-host of the show. Oh, is he? Is he here? No? I thought Jack was going to join us this segment. Uh, Jack is in the hospital um, and, uh, and, and doing okay, it seems like. Uh, we'll get him next segment, maybe. He, you know, it's funny because he'll he'll be ready to to rock and roll with us, and then a nurse will come in to jab him or what have you, and he has to go. But um, we'll get a health update from Jack Boy and see how he's doing, and ask him to comment on the news of the day. I have what might be the least necessary study in the history of mankind coming up. Although you know, you have those studies occasionally. Young men want a lot of sex. You know, it's like who, who paid for that? And, and how much did it cost? 
What do we think? Is Jack here? Oh, okay. I didn't want to dive into what we're diving into until Jack joins us. Hello, Jack. How are you feeling? Uh, Okay, I think. Good. Good. Any trend to note or uh, just kind of Um, marking time? Feeling wise? uh, Well, I'm waiting around for another. (laughs) It's funny. I've. uh... Uh, uh, all human beings are like this, but it's uh, true of nurses also that they vary from would love to talk constantly to would rather not talk at all and everywhere in between. And mm-hmm. I've currently got someone who's really not interested in talking. So uh, I don't know much of what's going on. <laughs> wow. But uh, I've got a scan coming up sometime later. Um the old scan and jab combo pack. How many times do you reckon you've been jabbed in the last five days or so? Oh, in the fifty. Yeah. Yikes. I guess it's actually it, this goes back to like Tuesday night, right? Is that when you went to the well, hospital? It started Sunday night, so it's been a week mm. and a day. Oh my gosh! But uh, yeah, I've been jabbed fifty times at least. Um, and uh, God, I got to tell you, as being a you know, growing up with kids and everything like that, the amount of time I've spent trying to deal with childcare or home problems or all that sort of stuff from bed while people are jabbing me in the arm and everything like that, it's just, if you're the sort of person that could, like, hire somebody to take care of all that, it would be very handy, I suppose. Wow, a manservant, a uh, appointment yeah. secretary, yeah, a personal assistant. That's what you need. You want, to take, you want to take applications on the air? Oh, no, I do not. Okay. <laughs> right, I'm just trying to help. Uh, so uh, this may be the world's least necessary study. Parents wondered whether learning remotely could work as well as being in a classroom. Reads the headline from the Washington Post. New global data suggests the answer is no. They mentioned that the peak of the closures last year, 1.6 billion students in 188 countries were locked out. Uh, across the globe, 700 million of them reside in partially or fully closed school districts. And uh, UNESCO, UNICEF, and the World Bank issued a comprehensive global report, which adds to a growing body of evidence that students suffered massive educational losses during the pandemic. Well, massive. I would, like take, I would like to take credit for being the first show I heard that even questioned it at all. Because when it started the shutdowns at the schools, I never heard anybody questioning it. And my my personal results were awful from day one. It was clear that my kid was not getting the normal education from day one. And I didn't hear any pushback anywhere. And we started asking, and I, I remember when we asked on the air, and everybody texting and emailing said, no, this isn't working at all. It was well, one right. of those stories that, that, that nobody was reporting. Well, and what was what was so striking about it was, you know, between you and your school age kids, me and at the time a college kid, uh, the vast listening audience, folks weighing in, asking their kids about their experience. Uh, we asked you, you asked in your personal life, then we asked on the air, what percentage of learning do you think is happening? And I remember there was one like super motivated, you know, independently motivated, really responsible young woman, I think it was, who said 50%. And I believe that was our champion. Yeah, by far. Yeah, and, and the vast majority of people were saying maybe 30, 15. Some people were paying 10, saying 10%. Some people were saying, uh, the, my kids aren't learning anything. 
Um, and and you're right. And so nobody was nobody was interested in addressing the fact that so our kids are getting a quarter of their normal schooling at best. Is anybody got a problem with this? It well, went right away for months. Well, in the contrast between the unanimity of the opinion of real people and the complete lack of coverage was just so striking. It had to do with that whole, if Trump says open the schools, nobody can dare agree with them in any way on any pretext, which was enforced, you know, incredibly strictly in our entire media system. And I remember it was, was it, uh, was it, uh, what's her face, Hannah Nicole Jones, or it was one of those activist, woke journalists at the New York Times who finally broke rank and said, hey, my kids aren't learning a damn thing. And that, you know, that was a moment. I don't think it turned the tide in a significant way. But anyway, uh, so back the whole, to, So the whole ahead. globe did this, and we got gazillions of kids around the world who are behind. Is that the deal? Yeah, well, and a lot of European school systems and countries opened up way quicker than the U.S. did uh, because they saw the data. They saw how little risk the children are at. They saw how little different vaccinations made uh, rates made among children. Um, And and they said, clearly, we need to open the schools. And they did. Um, So learning setback projections have gone from bad to worse with a disproportionate hit for poor and otherwise marginalized children, regardless of whether they lived in rich and poor countries. That's right. All of the lefty politicians and unions that demanded the schools stay shut, they hurt the poor people they claim to care for the most. And they knew it at the time. If Jack and I knew it, they knew it. Or if they didn't, they yeah. sure as hell should have. Yeah, because I hired a tutor immediately, then got my kid into a private school. If you didn't or couldn't do that, you got screwed by the people that supposedly care about you. Yeah, yeah. Listen to this, would you? The more pessimistic projections, based in part on emerging data from myriad nations, are fueling fears that learning deficits will be an even bigger driver of inequality among both among and within yeah. countries, and in a way that could be hard to fix in years ahead. The pandemic yeah. learning gap could widen disparities not only for countries and social classes, but between generations. We fear yeah. that in 15 years we're going to write a lot of academic papers to identify and understand the negative premium or discount in terms of welfare, productivity, and income just for belonging in the generation between 5 and 18 years old in 2021. Um, I'm not that bright, and I could have told you all of those things a year and a half ago. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. yeah. What the hell? And now they're insisting that 5 to 11-year-olds get jabbed to be in school. And, you know, even if there were no risks, I still think that's an incredibly questionable mandate. And and that is going to be disobeyed and ignored by so many thousands and thousands of people. I I just saw a good stat from Ian Bremmer. Every once in a while, it's handy to have these kind of stats put in front of you. Of the millions of deaths worldwide and whatever we've got in America, 800,000, 75% of the deaths are people over the age of 65. 75% of them. It's overwhelmingly a disease that killed old people. But all the jobs and schools for all those people under 65 affected in such, you know, life-altering ways. Businesses that will never come back things that were will never be learned, all the income inequality you were just talking about. Unbelievable. 
instead of rigorously and enthusiastically protecting the vulnerable, we shut everything down, even as the data became more and more clear out of, I would suggest, substantially Trump hatred in the United States. You know, as long as you're depressed, let me kick you while you're down. Another headline, also from the WAPO, this came out a couple of days ago, but I held on to it. A youth mental health crisis was already brewing. The pandemic made it worse, Surgeon General says. The situation painted across the U.S. Surgeon General's 53-page advisory is dire. Compared with 2019, emergency room visits for suicide attempts rose 51% for adolescent girls in 2021. 51%. Among boys, there was a 4% increase. Depression and anxiety doubled during the pandemic, with 25% of youths experiencing depressive symptoms and 20% suffering anxiety systems, according to the report published last week. <clears throat> this is another thing we were yelling about, and, and you know we made the point loud and clear. I've said this before, and I will say it again. If we could agree somehow with God or Satan or the FCC or somebody... To have an audience 20 times as big, but not a single dime more in, in income, I would make that just so when we, I would, I would take that bargain, just so when we pointed out, listen, you look at A, B, C, and D, we are leading toward an enormous, disastrous mental health crisis for our kids. So Gavin Newsom, for instance, when you see, we're following the science, and the only science you're looking at is virology. You're not looking at psychology or you're not looking at drug addiction. You're not looking at at child psychology. You're not looking at at the health of marriages. You're not looking at any science at all except for virology. You know, we could call them on that and more people would hear and the pressure would grow. Uh, Just the fact that this, you know, unrolled. This this occurred while we were screaming about it to as many people as listen, which is a hell of a nice audience, and we thank you for listening, but it's so frustrating. Just, yeah. you, oh, my God. Yeah, finally, I'm on, I'm on speakerphone if it sounds weird, but it's because I need to read something off my phone. Some blue checkmark uh, guy from the right, apparently, um, tweeted this out over the weekend about kids and masks and everything. My vaccinated 11-year-old can't talk during lunch. I've heard about that. Some schools where you're, you're allowed to take your mask off to eat, but you're not allowed to talk because it might spread the virus. Anyway, my 11-year-old's not allowed to talk during lunch. My 9-year-old eats outside in 40-degree weather. My 6-year-old has never had a normal interaction in school. They wear masks seven hours a day despite being in the lowest risk group. Unbelievable. Shame on you people. Damn you. Oh, and it continues. I mean, so we're talking about these, uh, oh, we need to take a break. We're talking about these reports and these, uh, you know, the statistics of this, that, and the other for the last year. Those policies, those idiotic, useless, damaging policies are continuing to this day. I don't know what else to say. All right, uh, we need to take a break. We'll be back with more on a cheerier note, I hope. Uh, Stay with us. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. No, every time we've put a mandate in place, it has worked. We're at 71% right now of all New Yorkers, all New Yorkers, 71% fully vaccinated. We're leading the country. 
And that's because we used incentives and mandates. And every single mandate we put in place has greatly increased the number of people vaccinated. Since the first mandates back in August, we've had over a million more doses. And that's why the city is open and thriving. Uh, Chris, really, vaccination equals freedom because it allows people to get back to work, get back to their lives, be safe wherever they are, a school, a workplace. It works, and that's why we're continuing to deepen it. Why are the farthest left the most enthusiastic about forced jabbings? I think you know the answer to that question. Ah, boy. That's uh, gigantic communist mayor Bill de Blasio in his final moments as mayor of New York City, throwing as many idiotic policies at at the city as he can on his way out the door. They will be immediately rescinded, I think, when he leaves. The idea that a five-year-old child can't go with you into the restaurant unless they're jabbed is just stupid to me and sickening. Uh, So a couple of interesting vid notes here <clears throat> this is not the same old crap you hear in the mainstream media so don't you dare to now stop it i'm watching you uh interesting stuff from our covid correspondent kevin who's always up to date and, uh, and documents all of his uh, findings including what's going on in uh, south africa because uh, they of course were the first to talk about the omicron variant and they were also saying that you know this actually looks milder we're not seeing a rise in deaths now got to be careful cuz deaths lag it's usually about 2 weeks into it that you start getting really sick and perhaps even croaking from uh, foul cheese uh, hot and sour chinese bat fever um uh, according to the data out of South Africa, and it's still early days, but it's getting to the point that we can use this data productively. Cases have decoupled from hospitalizations and COVID deaths have not budged. While some COVID uh, uptake in COVID deaths seems inevitable, it's safe to say the early reports are accurate. accurate. What we're seeing in South Africa is a much more mild wave. The only question left is why? Is it truly the case that mild Omicron is responsible? Or has South Africa just been immunized by three past waves of COVID and now seeing the endemic wave of mild breakthrough cases in previously infected individuals that all of us will be living with for the rest of our lives? We'll need to see the same situation repeated in other countries to know for sure. My eyes, he writes, are turning to the U.K. They got walloped pretty badly last winter, and now Omicron is on the rise there. Just a couple of weeks, we'll know if their Omicron experience is more like South Africa or not. I thought that was an interesting point, especially because of some of the things Scott Gottlieb said on the television. Uh, He doesn't seem to agree. Michael, play us clip 42, please. There's projections in the U.K. that it will very soon overtake Delta. They're taking some emergency measures there in Europe. Um, Should we expect that wave to come here and overtake Delta as well? Yeah, look, I think it's an open question. We can't really transfer the experience from one country to another because there's different levels of immunity in different populations, different countries, and also different states as you even move across the United States. The U.K. does look a lot like the U.S. in terms of having a lot of vaccine-induced immunity and a lot of immunity from prior infection, and also a lot of people who've been boosted and people who've been infected and then subsequently vaccinated, and they appear to have the best immunity against this new variant. Okay, fair enough. And then, uh, oh, we're, we're out of time. Dang it. Give us 44 real quick. The other possibility is that this coursed very quickly through a subset of the population that's excessively vulnerable to it. And we know it hit very hard people with prior Delta infection who are unvaccinated. So it may be that people who just have Delta-induced immunity are excessively vulnerable to this variant. This is going to take some time to figure out if, in fact, it is indeed peaking in Johannesburg. I think that's going to cause us to reflect on some of the modeling we've been doing. No more emergencies, no more mandates. It's endemic. Live your life. Armstrong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. CDC players present going to a restaurant. <clears throat> Hi. I'd like to eat Christmas dinner at your restaurant, please. Sure. I just need to see your vaccination card. I actually can't find it. You mean you lost the little one-inch piece of cardboard they gave you? I'm afraid so. Then you are banished from society. Have fun living in the woods. Okay, and scene. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. That was Saturday Night Live. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think common sense is starting to rear its commonsensical head. It's taken ages for it to do so, but at least there's a little progress on that front. Talking earlier about how frustrating it is to see some of the just obvious, awful policies and the damages being done by the, the, not the, the vid, but the reaction of the vid and how obvious it was and just... You couldn't get anybody to listen because they were so obsessed with proving their anti-Trump credentials. Anyway, 
Oh, speaking of eating out, so um, <clears throat> over the weekend, uh, I tried to squeeze in a little golf, and uh, and uh, I for the I show up to the the golf course. I was going to ride in the cart, but a couple of guys I'm playing with say they they're going to walk. Do I want to walk? I said, yeah, I'll walk the front nine, then I'll jump in the cart. Um, and I walked the front nine. It's first, I think it's the first time I've walked nine holes for a long time since I started getting uh, hip surgeries and stuff like that. And so uh, anyway, it felt great. After nine holes, I said, no, I'm plunging on. I'm going to walk. But what hadn't occurred to me was that I'd had my my smoothie, my protein fruit smoothie, like an hour before the round or something like that. And it was good, but it was it was not like lunch or anything. And so by the time I'm done walking 18 holes, I'm pretty tired and I'm just ravenously hungry. But I'm thinking, this is good. Look at me exercising and, and not eating, and I can feel myself burn, burning calories and losing weight, and this is fantastic. But I'm telling you, I was just, oh, I was eating. I could have eaten, eaten my golf glove. So I get we get into the clubhouse. We're going to have, you know, a couple, of, a couple, two, three pops after the round. And I see the soup of the day is uh, curried lamb stew. And I think, wow, that sounds pretty good. And so... um I'm thinking, yeah, and stew, that's healthy. It's like soup, right? So I just, I'm going to eat a little bit, but I've done well today. Today's been a good day. Good day for eating. So I go ahead and it's, it's what time was it? It's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, something like that, 3.30. And I have uh, my curried lamb stew, and uh, and it was good. It was really, really good. And I almost went back for more, but then I thought, nah, keep it reasonable. But then the other guys, meanwhile, said, you know, I'm going to kind of peckish ourselves. We're going to get some snacks. And so they ordered one of those big, like, what are you, German pretzels, or what do you call those, those gigantic pretzels with the big salt, uh, you know, nuggets on there? <clears throat> they order one of those and a quesadilla, and uh, and and another guy get what? The other guy get oh, like uh, uh, buffalo chicken wings and stuff like that. And so I think, yeah, don't mind if I do. And so I just had a little bit of the pretzel, which turned into more and more of the pretzel. So I, I finally, and oh, plus, yeah, a couple of glasses of wine. I don't know if you know this. There are calories in wine. So I think, all right, all right, that's fine. Though. I'm good now. I feel good now. And then I go to Judy, said, hey, I'm just leaving to this thing, which our neighbors were throwing just a casual little, you guys want to come over. So I think, all right, why not? We'll go over there. They got snacks. They got a glass of wine or two for me. So I have that. And then this is all a prelude to dinner. We get home because Judy had been getting dinner ready. She's going to cook, so I'm going to eat it, right? And so I end up having dinner. And it hadn't really occurred to me until I stepped on the scale this morning. Uh, I'm thinking I was all virtuous by walking 18 holes. I was up two and a half pounds. (laughs) I got my stretchy pants on. Yeah, I got my stretchy pants on, all right. Uh, So I I was all good and virtuous for like uh, four hours of my life, and I made up for it by taking in like 4,000 calories. Ah, boy. Can't you now? You can't get that hungry. Nothing good happens when you're. I would eat roadkill hungry. Oh, I know. Oh, I may have been as happy eating that stew as I've ever been in my life, food-wise. It was so good, warm on a chilly day, and oh, delicious. Anyway, the uh, co-host is back after his recent whatever medical thing they did to him. Uh, Jack is here. Hello. Hey. Um, I wish. I'm sorry, I missed the first part of that story. How you took in four thousand calories in one meal? That's impressive. Well, I was feeling all. Uh, well, no, it was actually multiple meals. I was feeling all virtuous because I'd walked eighteen right. holes and didn't eat anything during the whole time. Um, and but I was ravenously hungry. I was like a bear, and I ended up having like two and a half dinners to make up for it, and actually yeah. gained weight. So ah! oh, yeah, I I got to admit I'm kind of interested tomorrow morning, assuming I get to go home from the hospital. 
if I find out I gained weight after five <laughs> days in the hospital, I'm going to be very unhappy. <laughs> You're going to be like the first guy. They're going to write you up in medical journals. Right. If I had an organ removed and spent five days in the hospital and gained weight, then, you know, I, don't, I, I might as well give up. Yeah. How's the grub? Uh, pretty good. Pretty darn good. Yeah, last yeah, time I, I was I in the hospital, I was surprised. Yeah, I had a cheeseburger last night that was flat out good. Uh, eggs and hash browns this morning, and doctor came in here and he said, "If you're eating that, you're fine." That was basically his take on everything. So wow. I, think he's in, I think he's excited about sending me out of here. Yeah, good. good. I couldn't blame him. So anyway, part of the reason I uh, I bring up the fat thing is you know how since the beginning of the uh, the vid. Uh, the coronavirus seemed to be targeting people who were heavy yep. or obese. Yep. Well, they're trying to figure out why, and new researchers, uh, new research has found that coronavirus infects both fat cells and certain immune cells within body fat, prompting a damaging defensive response in the body. It's that whole your immune system goes berserk thing. Yeah. And evidently that so- happens in earnest in fat cells. Yeah, and so it's just the fact that you have more fat cells, more cells are being attacked is the way I took it. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, the bottom line is, says this uh, doctor who studies fat cells, that's got to be rewarding work. Oh, my God, indeed, the virus can infect fat cells, infect fat cells directly. But whatever happens in fat doesn't stay in fat. It affects the neighboring tissue as well. Uh, if the findings hold up, they may shed light not just on why patients with excessive pounds are vulnerable to the virus, but also why certain younger adults with no other risks become so ill. Uh, maybe well, that's you, the Achilles heel, they say. Yeah, if we're going to do a you know a, a good, fair accounting of all the things that we did wrong or did for the wrong reasons, the whole ignoring the way it affects fat people thing, because it's been known that it's worse for obese people for a long time, and just you know, because the way we are about not wanting people to feel shame or whatever, just, you know, wasn't really much interest in reporting on that. Very obvious fact. Says a professor who I've seen quoted several times. I've quoted him myself, but his name sounds pornographic. Dr. Vishwa Deep Dixit. Hmm. He's a professor at Yale School of Medicine. <laughs> uh, he wow. says, I know. I, it's not my fault. I didn't name him. Anyway, maybe that's the Achilles heel that virus utilizes to evade our protective immune responses by hiding in this place. Uh, this could well be contributing to severe disease, says a different professor with a non-pornographic name at Stanford. We're seeing the same inflammatory cytokines that I see in the blood of the really sick patients being produced in response to infection of those tissues, etc., the finding is particularly relevant in the fat, fat United States, which has one of the highest rates of obesity in the world. Most American adults are overweight. 42% have obesity. 42%. Black, Hispanic, Native American, and Alaskan Native people in the U.S. have higher obesity rates than white adults and Asians. They've also been disproportionately affected, right? Throughout the whole pandemic, there's always been the, why are people of this, uh, you know, people of color getting uh, getting and dying. Well, it's clearly because of our racist healthcare system. Left out the fact that it's worse for fat people, and we have higher obesity among blacks and Hispanics. That's the clear answer there. Yeah, yeah, and of course, I you saw, know, I read that from Doctor. Would you like a Hummer? Oh, that's that's not his name. Doctor Deep oh. Dixit is his name. 
Anyway, again, it makes me uncomfortable. Oh, der. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, activists always have an argument, which is generally unmoored from reality. But they'd say, well, the, the, the obesity rates are become because of income inequality and food deserts and systemic racism. So not just eating habits and, 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 and you know, cultural norms and stuff like that. No, it's, it's racism, of course. But, yeah. Yeah, well, in uh, a desire not to fat shame anybody, that was really soft-pedaled, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep, absolutely was. And to whose benefit? How did that help anybody? If you're really obese, fat is the biggest single organ in your body, says this fat doctor at uh, Johns Hopkins. Yeah. Because skin is an organ. Yeah. Is that why? Fat is an organ? Well, skin is an organ. Well, yeah. yeah. So how does fat become... that? Are fat cells an organ? That's what they're saying. Is fat an organ? Fat an organ. That's what they're saying. This okay. is the guy you say, uh, what is he? Professor of cardiology at Johns Hopkins. Mm. That's the, the, better than me. So. Yeah, yeah. And says uh, Barry Popkin, professor of nutrition at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Uh, he said, quote, this paper is another wake-up call for the medical professional, uh, pu- profession and public health to look more deeply into the issues of overweight and obese individuals and the treatments and vaccines we're giving them. We keep documenting the risk they have, but we still aren't addressing it. Yeah, Well, that might hurt people's feelings, so you can't. Anyway, right. we're going to grab a quick break and then uh, come back and finish strong as we are known for. J- Jack, can you join us for that? I think I can, but I never know. All right, yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. It's coming up. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Inflation is the insidious tax on the lower and middle income people in this country. Uh, the wealthy are fine. They're able to, they're having, their asset values are increasing. They're doing great. But the middle and lower income Americans are feeling it and it's, it's pressing down. Yeah, to discuss that and other things, uh, Jack is joining us from the hospital, I believe. Uh, are you there, Jack? No? Oh, okay. I thought he was coming back. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's true, and that's what makes it so crazy that the Biden administration is seemingly uh, cavalier about inflation when it's absolutely hammering. Uh, you know, the working poor and uh, and you know middle class, working class America—it's just crazy. Uh, the big man, Chris Christie, had some thoughts on that topic. Uh, matters economic clip 61, please, Michael. 60 workers do have more levers now, but it's time for them to go back to work. I, quite frankly, don't care whether they're ready or not. You know, it's time to go back to work. And if the president continues to give people excuses not to go back to work, he's not going to get over this problem. And then finally, 62. He will not acknowledge the problem. And people then think he's not getting it. Well, and then know, he becomes his favorite president. You know, Joe Biden has said his favorite president was Jimmy Carter, and he is becoming Jimmy <laughs> Carter. Weak, ineffectual. Riddled by inflation um, and and a workforce that won't go back to work. The big man clearly running for the presidency in 2024. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Jack uh, rejoins us. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like his chances? Um, I was listening to one of my favorite pundits the other day who said if Trump runs, he's guaranteed to be the nominee. There's no stopping him. Mm, Okay. If if Trump doesn't run. Uh, no, if Trump runs, Trump will be the nominee. No stopping him. So it's all about whether or not Trump runs. Yeah. Okay. If, so but, give me the scenario: is Trump running or not in this scenario where Chris Christie? He's running? not. He's not running, and Chris Christie is yeah. up against the Ron DeSantis, who uh, people are loving his move. He's deporting illegal immigrants to Delaware and Washington D.C. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. Yeah, that'll be a heck of a race among whoever's left. Mike Pence is probably going to run. Um, yeah, that'll be a heck of a, a race with all those other people. But I don't know. Uh, some of my favorite pundits are certain Trump's going to run and certain he can't be stopped as the nominee. Holy crap, is that going to be an interesting show. Now, all that January 6th investigation stuff is going to be happening. I don't know if that has any you know effect on anything or not. I don't. I do not know. Yeah, yeah, I still say I'd absolutely be shocked if Trump ran. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Uh, you know, and no offense to the great state of Indiana. I've spent many a pleasurable day in that uh, wonderful state. It's a great, uh, you know, down-to-earth Midwestern folks who live there. But Mike Pence is governor of Indiana material. He's not president of the United <laughs> States material. 
I, uh, I don't I don't know if you uh, I don't know if you talked about this, but I saw I just I just saw this. So Time Magazine's Person of the Year, which used to be a really big deal. No, oh, I'm bracing myself. Elon, no, Elon Musk. Oh, I don't hate that choice. No, That's... I don't either. Although, uh, so I was looking at Ian Bremmer. I, we like Ian Bremmer. Have him on a lot, but Ian Bremmer pointed out why that's a bad choice and variety of things that Elon Musk has done that's not helped the environment. I guess somehow buying into the idea that Times Person of the Year has to be a good person always to be Person of the Year. Do you remember the whole Hitler was Person of the Year, <laughs> Stalin was Person of the Year? No, it's just a you know a very impactful person that got talked about a lot. I right. think Elon Musk is that. I'll have to take a look at the Ian Bremmer stuff. Ian, you're being a bit of a uh, baby, aren't you? You know, it's, it's so funny you should bring that up because the, what I was going to bring up was that uh, Elon Musk has announced that Neuralink, his brain interface tech company, hopes to start implanting microchips in humans next year. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say next week because I'd just say, can I stay in the hospital for one more week while I'm here and hooked up to the IV bag? Go ahead and put the Neuralink chip in my head and I'll go home. I'm sure, you know, if you got a connection, you could probably get it a little bit uh, early, but they're developing and, a and chip. That's mostly that, so you, it's so you can control computer screens with your brain, is that it? So the government can control you. No, they're developing a chip that would be implanted in people's brains to simultaneously record and stimulate brain activity. It's intended to have medical applications, such as treating serious spinal cord injuries and neurological disorders. Hmm. So you're interested in so playing not, video games with the chip, but not saving paralyzed people? Yeah, but I'm not paralyzed. I mean, that'd be nice for other people. I just, I don't need it if that's what it's for. Well, I'm thinking about others. <laughs> Fantastic. Man, this is, uh, this is a disturbing revelation. Probably ought to get right to the final thoughts, Michael. Who wants final <laughs> thoughts? Who wants final thoughts? Go have some final thoughts. Hooray! You want to do your Here's usual your host thing? for final thoughts, I guess. I didn't realize it was over. Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There he is pressing the buttons, our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought? Yeah, I'm thinking about trying these eye drops to replace my reading glasses just to see how they work. The show's four hours long, and they can go for six or ten hours, so it might work for me. Excellent. Soon they'll have a nasal spray to replace your hearing aids and God knows what else. Uh, young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer. Alex, final thought? Yeah, I went and saw the new West Side Story this last weekend. It was absolutely phenomenal, filmed well, sounds great. Spielberg, genius, does it again. Yeah, a, a friend of mine said it's fantastic. By the way, we got an email saying you did a great job commentating on the games at the recent basketball tournament. Oh, you were thank working. you so much. So well done, Alex. Uh, Jack's the co-host of the dang show. He's got a final thought for us. Jack? They'll have a suppository that makes you jump higher. Um, I am wrapping up, I think, uh, roughly five days in the hospital. It got kind of weird, like, in the last 18 hours. I mean, I've been here so long, I was kind of getting into Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now territory. of just sitting in the corner in the dark, rubbing a washcloth over my bald head, <laughs> muttering to myself. Wow, uh, I'm glad to hear things are taking a turn for the better on that front. Uh, my final thought, I actually have a couple. One, couple. Uh, Judy's going to a meeting today. We might end up hosting some college kids at our house who are playing in a, a sports tournament next year. Cool. A friend of mine mentioned, cool. and I thought, oh, that sounds kind of nice, but do I want weird people in my house? And then 
Uh, he keeps saying, no, you're going to love it. These kids are great. They're, they're grateful. It's a connection for life. So I think we're going to do it. I'm kind of excited cool. about it. Yeah. There you go. Break what out of my, thinking of others? my isolated bitterness for a moment. Yeah, thinking of others once again. It's just yes. you're shot through and through with that sort of thing. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another <laughs> grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can get all of the podcast if you missed a chunk of the show. Get Armstrong and Getty on demand. We still have some fabulous swag. Uh, might be able to get in time for Christmas. Probably a loved one will love it. If there's something we ought to be talking about, send it. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. And I hope to be home tomorrow when we will see you then. God bless America. I'm strong and Getty. It's over! We need to adapt our approach. Who's the little baby girl doing need to kiss him? I hope you'll stand up and stop this madness. You're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Are you sh- my point was made. I'll see y'all soon. There's a hole in the sky where a tree once stood. Somebody's making money on your feet. No! Sir, your time has expired. Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.